Hey everyone, this is Eric, and welcome to the CBC Podcast Behind the Pulpit. This Sunday, I continued our King series by talking about David's sin. Today, I'll be joined with Brandon to discuss Sunday's message. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening. All right, I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, welcome again. <laughs> Thanks. I never know what to say during that time. It's like, thank you for welcoming me. <laughs> I don't know what to say either, so I say the same thing over and over. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's been fun to be able to, to do these podcasts, kind of journey through the series together. Um, I talked this Sunday on, you know, kind of that popular, famous story, David and Bathsheba. Um, yeah, I think before we kind of dive in, I just kind of want to get your thoughts, kind of your perspective on on this story in light of kind of the big picture. Um not just for the series, but kind of where we're going in general. Yeah, uh, it's it's a tough passage. I was thinking about that after I assigned it to you. <laughs> but it, I mean, it is challenging. One, just in the sense of like, like you started off the message. It's just like, it's just another one of those passages that's kind of hard to stomach when you see one someone committing a pretty messed up sin, but also like seeing the consequences of that sin and how that affects. David's life and his family and all that stuff. It's it's not an easy passage to handle, but it's also challenging in the sense that it, it is it, it's it's a little bit hard to make sense of how it fits into that larger picture of like you go from you know Second Samuel six seven mm-hmm. eight, you know this the covenant right and this kind of high point uh, of David's life to you know, one of the things in the immediate aftermath of that is is the story of David and Bathsheba and just kind of understanding how that all, all fits together. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, I think just for the arc of the story narrative and then um, just what the content of it was, it's challenging. And I, I thought you handled it really well. Uh, but yeah, we, I mean, that wasn't really something like we went into with this, this message, but mm-hmm. what did you kind of think about that idea of like how, how does this all fit into just the larger picture of, you know, like the relationship between the covenant and where David's at. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. We touched on that a little bit, obviously. Yeah. Did you come up upon anything interesting? Like that? <laughs> uh, in general, I mean, you know, I know we talked during the week of, it was, it was, it was a tough passage and it was some, I just wrestled with the whole week of, you know, kind of like, why is this here? Like, yeah. I mean, I know it happened. I mean, that's what they're telling us, but how you wish so much it wasn't there. And I mean, I shared with you during a week, like it's, it's almost depressing. Yeah. You know, um, seeing just this, this arc of David's life or the side of David's life that it comes up. But, you know, I think in terms of the big picture of the covenant, I think what I walked away from was, you know, it does really elevate God's role in the covenant, mm. you know, and you, you see that back with Abraham, you see it when it comes to Moses of, you know, God makes this amazing promise and, and David's response is, is pretty awesome. Right. Right. After he's like, who am I yeah. that I, you would choose me in my household. And he's like, and, and because you've chosen me, like, I'm going to ask you this thing, do what you say, mm. you know, like fulfill your promise. And then for this to come right after is, is kind of this demonstration of like, God is going to fulfill his promise but it's not because of David, mm, you know, yeah. like David didn't earn it. It's not like 50, 50, you know, you do your part, God, I do my part, but really this, um, yeah, clear depiction of, of David is, uh, 
you know, he's imperfect, he's flawed. And because of that, like how much of the credit goes to who God is in yeah. terms of fulfilling this promise. So almost like the scripture is showing us like, okay, David has done everything he possibly could to mess this covenant up. Yeah. Right. But God is going to still be faithful to his promise. Right. Yeah. And, and it's kind of cool to then look back, you know, at chapter seven, when God makes the promise and go, huh, you know, yeah, like yeah. God knew, God knew what he was promising. He knew what David would do. And for him to use, fulfill that promise in light of that, I think it just shine, magnifies, you know, the character of God. So I walked away in a sense of awe, as yeah. hard as it was to read about David and kind of his shortcomings to say like, you know, and it's nothing new, right? I mean, it's something we emphasized, I think, even when we went through Exodus, right? Yeah. Like it's about God. It's about what God's doing. Here's the theme. And it's not dumb, but it's kind of, it was an eye-opener thing for me of like, oh, yeah, it's yeah. still the same story, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, why did I think otherwise? Like, I knew David wasn't the climax of the story, but it was it was like a, I remember it was like an aha moment. Like, yeah. oh, it's just the same story, even through David. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's an awesome point. And I think, like, it, it just kind of speaks to, like, if David is the very best of us, like, that's just whatever covenant you're in whether it's like talking about like moses and that era or joshua or david or whatever or even us now like we're always going to fail on our end of the covenant right Mm -hmm. like even for us like that's the case but like it's it's god's faithfulness and and even looking at at david as a precursor to jesus Mm -hmm. and look like at the end of the day david is just the best of who we are which was never ever going to be good enough yeah not to get ahead of ourselves, but it's, it's why you need Jesus mm-hmm. to be, you know, the the only person who could perfectly fulfill that and perfectly be that. And so to me, yeah, it just elevates everything that Jesus was, mm-hmm. you know, and that was something that, yeah, I mean, I hadn't even really thought about. Yeah. And obviously, like, there's that connection between David and Jesus, but mm-hmm. that's so cool. Yeah. 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 That'd be, I mean, that's what we're looking forward to, what's coming next mm-hmm. and um yeah it's been such a fun journey even for me just prepare these and as we're learning and studying it where um yeah it's always it's it's a blessing to teach it and share upon it but just actually like wrestling with it and allowing yeah. god to speak through it and um yeah it's interesting because i think i shared in a previous podcast too right when i looked at david and saul early on you know, you, you recognize there's this part that you connect with, with Saul. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. I connect with Saul. I understand the fear and that part of it because David is so the opposite, mm-hmm. you know, at least early on. But then to see this kind of side of David too, to like, yeah, he represents the best in us. But there's also that, you know, that potential in all of us. Yeah. Right? At the end of the day, when, the, when, when you have the opportunity to sin, to, to disobey when faith gets tested in this way. Like it, it's a, it's a frightening thought, you know, yeah. like not that we would do exactly the same. And I'm not saying that, you know, but just how kind of matter of fact, the scripture communicates it as if like it could happen. Yeah. And to go from this arc of, you know, early on, you know, all the way from a lot of parts of first Samuel, David's rise to success, to God's covenant. And then boom, yeah. You know, here comes chapter 11. Yeah. Just FYI. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. here it is. And it's like, oh gosh, like it's a, 
it's um yeah, it's just a reminder of reality of yeah. what we're all capable of. Yeah. Because of sin. Yeah. Yeah, there's that like uh connection to even like Adam, right? I think I don't know one of the commentaries I was reading, but it was like the same language, right? He saw, he yeah, he desired, he took, or something it was like good that. Good to look at, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was took. the same yeah. as as Adam and Eve in the garden. It was like that connection of like, look, like we're just, you know, like we're all capable of that because that's <laughs> that's who we are. Yeah, it's cool that. it's, that's a great point. Yeah, you know, one of the the phrases I I, I thought I really liked that you used was just that idea of, you know, sin has, you know, with sin in our relationship with God, there's immediate forgiveness, but irreversible consequences. Yeah. And I just thought that's like such a profound way of putting that, but it's often not the way we think about sin. It's like, well, there should be forgiveness and therefore there should be no consequences. Yeah. But how did you arrive at that phrase and even just maybe tease that out a little bit more? Like, what does that mean for us? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that was um, that I think trying to articulate that was probably the hardest part of the sermon, mm-hmm. right? Because looking through the passage, what's what's what stands out is is the consequences. Yeah, like chapters thirteen to twenty. It's just it's in your face. It's and it's it's terrible, right? I mean, it's just it's gut wrenching. Where you're just reading this and you're like, "Oh my gosh!" Like this is so like wrong, right? And it's evil and it's wicked. And to clearly, I mean, see the connections. And you might have to like make some connections that aren't like hundred. Like you know, you you have to imply some things, or at least I think this could be it, right? But it's clear that there are just consequences, right? Yeah. From just Abnon and Tamar and just the resentment that takes place where even you see in David, like Amnon rapes his sister and David is upset, but he does nothing. He's so passive. Right? Yeah, yeah. He does nothing. And then Absalom sits in silence for two years, right? Plotting revenge, which a good brother would do. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, right. Don't be offended by that, but you know, and he gets his vengeance back and, and David's heartbroken, you know, but doesn't really do nothing. Yeah. Absalom runs off brings Absalom back after a span of a year or so, I think, uh, or maybe three years, right? And then David can't forgive him. Like, I don't know what it is, right? Like, yeah. he's like, okay, fine, you can come back, but I don't want to see your face and you can't see my face. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, what is going on? And no wonder Absalom revolts, right? Yeah. Two years later where he's yeah. just like, you allow this to happen to my sister. You do nothing. I take vengeance. You take it out on me. You know, and then going all the way to even like Joab and how he kind of disobeys David. Mm-hmm. But you're like, I mean, what's Joab thinking? Like, I got to do what's right. Like David wasn't hesitant to murder someone when it benefited the kingdom. So I'm going to do this. You know, so it's right. just, you just look into it and you go, okay, there are these consequences that it's so in your face that you can't discount it. You can't brush it aside. You can't over-spiritualize it and just try to make it like, oh, well, you know, like, Things just happen. Like <laughs> yeah. it's a visible, like tangible. This is the consequence of David's sin. Yeah. And even in Nathan's, you know, prophecy in a sense, right? When he confronts David, mm-hmm. because you did this, this is what's gonna happen. Yeah. But then you look at Nathan's response when David confesses and he says, You're forgiven. Yeah. And I think trying to reconcile those two things was so hard. 
and trying to, and you either lean too far on the side of forgiveness where it's like God forgives you. So therefore the consequences go away mm. or you lean the other way that like God really doesn't forgive you and you just got to like suffer. Yeah. Yeah. And that's his punishment. Right. But it's like, no, God is saying both. And I think that was the hardest thing is to reconcile both and say like, you can't pick, it's not either one, but it's both. Yeah. And God still fulfills his covenant. You know, we know that. Um, and he blesses David. Yeah. Like there's blessings that come out of the failure, right? So I think that was the biggest thing is because both were so clearly there yeah. to be able to say it's not either or, it's not one or the other, it's it's both, right? And really allowing yourself to understand like the depth of both Yeah, was I think what this author is doing and what I try to do in the message of like bringing it out. So yeah. So for us, and and I think this is like a challenge, right? Is like, if, right? So I think the question, maybe a follow-up question is, do you get the sense that God is punishing David through these events? Or is it that this is kind of the like downward spiral of David's sin, right? That like, this is right, you reap what you sow. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of like just this is what's going to happen because, you know, like, it's like, yeah. And at least in this context, it could be either, but did you get any sense? It was, I don't know. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do want you to chime in because that's a hard one. I, I mean, I'm reading into it, right? Because we have the, the blessings of the new Testament, you know, of in it. But I think the word discipline comes to mind, you know, like, okay, God has forgiven him. Like, that's what Nathan says. Your sins have been taken away. So what are the, all the implications of, that reality of right like your sins are no longer before me you're forgiven uh, but you're going to experience all these things because of what you did mm-hmm. so i think understanding that reality of like god's god does discipline those he loves and there's mm-hmm. discipline there and the hardship from that and the, the discipline is from the hardship of our choices so kind of like both yeah. it's like you know maybe i'm allowing the new testament to speak too much in this but it like God is somehow not upset at David, mm-hmm. but he's allowing this to shape David in a good way because I think you do see a, a more humble David, especially when you look into Psalm 51 yeah. and see where his heart is at. Um, so in the consequences of God allowing him to use the, con- God allowing him to experience the consequences, not removing it, God is using it for good for David as well, not just yeah. for the covenant, but for David um, so I think that part of like God is disciplining him and the way he's doing it is by allowing him to experience the consequences of it. So kind of right. both, right? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. There are things that David, you got set in motion that, Hey, that's, that's how this life works. Yeah. And that's how choices work and freedom works. And that's how my love works when yeah. I give you that option. But God is that good still to allow even those mistakes and those consequences to shape david in such a way that he uses it for good and i mean to bring about all the other good of fulfilling the covenant eventually right yeah i don't know what do you think yeah i think i agree i mean i i honestly didn't have a good answer to that question and i think it's like we may not ever know right because it's like Mm -hmm. on one hand like the bible is just recounting events that happen yeah but there's also right like that narrative license that authors are taking to like how much 
is the way the story is told. Mm-hmm. The author kind of showing us the way, you know, David's sin led to these consequences. And how much is he saying, no, this is actually, this actually happened because of this. You yeah, know? And I yeah. think it reads like the author is saying this happened because of this. Mm-hmm. But how much of it is, no, this is what happened and this is, this is why you know yeah yeah and so i think there's that whole question of like god's god's permissive will versus Mm, god's like mm -hmm. active will you know and like did god you know like you know god isn't the author of sin right so god didn't make yeah you know i'm not raped tomorrow but yeah i I do think you're right right like it it is just like there are consequences to sin Mm -hmm. and i think that's at least for me is i I think that's something that we just miss a lot and Mm -hmm. we like try to pretend isn't the case like well, if I sin and God forgives me, then God can't just cancel out yeah. all those consequences. Mm-hmm. But I think that's something we see really clearly in the Old Testament is just the whole reap what you sow principle, mm-hmm. right? Like there are there are things that can't be undone if you do certain things, right? Like if you're a dad who, you know, is clearly and openly, you know, practicing like sexual immorality and, yeah. and violence, then you know the fact that we see his sons doing that shouldn't surprise us yeah if -hmm. we see these little glimpses of him as kind of an absentee passive father in the early years yeah it shouldn't be surprising when his relationship with his kids as he gets older Mm -hmm. is kind of jacked up and like we want to say like no he like he's close to god and god loves him god forgave him so you should fix all that and i think that's something we want for ourselves sometimes it's like well i mean no like that's you know, this is just the way life works. And I think the, the blessing comes from the way God mm-hmm. restores that yeah. and is able to use that to, to bless, you know, lots of people. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, the, the reality of those consequences yeah. are hard. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that part, I mean, that was something that was, um, yeah, really helpful for me too to see like, for us as believers today to embrace both of those realities, mm-hmm. you know, cause sometimes I think it's easy to go, okay, God forgives me. So he should be delivering me from these consequences. Mm-hmm. He should be making my life easier. He should be blessing me, making me happier. And when we don't experience that, we begin to question God's forgiveness. We question yeah. his love and we're like, well, what's going on? Like I'm a forgiven, I'm loved, but life is still hard. Whereas, um, you know, I mean, I don't know how much David does this, but there is a sense of embracing those consequences. Not that he likes it, yeah. but he accepts it yeah, and understands like God is still working and I don't know how, but he's going to work in this, yeah, right? Um, rather than remove this, yeah. you know? So I think that was really eye-opening for me of like, one, I mean, it's clear motivation. Hey, this is one reason it's not good to sin. Yeah. But two, when we do mess up and we come to God, it's not to expect him to give us a do-over. Yeah. But to say, okay, like even in this, God, you can still redeem. You can still restore. Yeah. yeah. I think it shifts our perspective a little bit and kind of puts our hope in a, in a, I think it, it's there's it gives us more clarity in terms of like where our hope is. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Like now God can do anything. So we're not saying he like can't. Yeah. Just fix things if you want to, but oftentimes it's 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 in the consequences that he he uses and he moves. Yeah. 
to bring about that good. And I think for us as believers today to, to be open to that, to accept that, yeah, would go a long ways. And I think how we see God, how we experience him in our trials, yeah, in our ability to, you know, I think ultimately praise, worship, trust, even when things are hard. Yeah. To say God is here. And I think that's what I can see scripture showing us. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point. And I think in releasing God of that expectation of like you should fix this, we recognize like the onus is on us. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like I think that's one thing. As you read through that passage, right? Like one of the consequences of David's sin and, and the way that sin interacts is is he just he just never kind of gets up and fixes things, right? Like there are mm-hmm. moments where he could say, you know what? Like, I just, I just got to take responsibility and, and make this better. And I think sometimes what we do, right, is like, well, why isn't God fixing this? Why isn't God fixing this? And, you know, God is just inviting us. Like, you know, like, you know, parenting is a great example, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like, oh, like I've, I haven't been a great dad and my kids are distant from me. Like, God, what are you doing? When mm-hmm. the invitation is like, hey, just, go, go be with your kids, you yeah, know, go love your yeah. kids or, or, you know, I'm, I'm having all this, these problems at work and, and we just kind of, we, we withdraw, mm-hmm. right? Like I think this whole like hope that God should fix everything forces to withdraw from our trials and ignore them and avoid them and yeah. complain about them when really like, you know, the, the, the challenge God says like, look, like accept responsibility and like you, you have a lot of control, you know, like yeah. mm-hmm. you still have you know, me to empower you to, to, to fix this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think the flip side, right. Is you don't want to just constantly be blaming yourself for all your problems yeah, and, like, and yeah. ending up in this situation where everything bad happens. You're like, Oh, well, what sin did I commit to cause this? And I don't think that's what God wants, but yeah, there are moments where I think we know like, Oh man, like I messed up and now I'm facing the consequences and just that choice to kind of lean in and say, okay, like, now I have a new chance to either mess up again yeah. and pass this consequence down the road or mm-hmm. I can face this head on and allow God to work through it. I yeah. think that's that's a harder thing to do than it sounds like. Yeah. It's, it's an opportunity. Yeah. That's really insightful because the David you see pre, you know, Bathsheba, pre-sin is one who's audacious, right? Who, impulsive. Mm-hmm. And he just goes and like, it wasn't always the right decision because God would sometimes step in mm-hmm. right? and say, oh yeah, don't do that. Or he would intervene. Mm-hmm. But the flip side is is a more passive David where it's almost like he's paralyzed. Yeah, he's like a his, shadow. He's a he's shell He's stuck in his mistake. Yeah. You know, I messed up once. I'm afraid to mess up again. And he's so stuck where, you know, whereas mm-hmm. like, I think, and that part's kind of sad to see because it seems like he kind of ends his life that way, right? Yeah, after that moment, it's like, his story just is yeah it's sad yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. well we got a question um submitted through the app that i thought i'd go ahead and um read because i think we're at a good point for this um this is from someone anonymous but thank you for submitting this question it's a great question it says god punished david for what he had done it seems unjust to kill the child slowly over a week as a way to punish david why are god's actions appropriate question mark God said he would punish David through his family. Later, a relative of David rapes his, his sister. Was the rapist at fault? It seems that the rape was consistent with the misfortune that God had promised. Either way, the woman who was raped received no support from God 
Again, why were God's actions, uh, parentheses, directing the rape or at minimum not saving the woman from the misfortune God previously promised, parentheses, appropriate question mark. Dang, that's a good question. Good luck, man. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, really good question. Uh, thanks for submitting it. Um, you know, I think it, it, it goes back to... Um, you know, and, and I don't want to like sugarcoat this or kind of like dodging, you know, uh, past the bucket all, but, you know, kind of this larger question that we kind of been seeing throughout Israel's journey, right? Like, why does God allow these evil things to happen, right? Why does, why does God command Israel at times to wipe out a people group, mm-hmm. you know? Um, you know, I think a, a big part of it is, you know, especially in this context, right, of, of what I think we're learning from David is, is what does, what do people deserve? Mm. What do we as humanity deserve, right? So great question and no, no means am I criticizing it, but when we ask the question even like what is, what is appropriate, right? Uh, you know, we have to ask that like from whose perspective? Mm-hmm. What is it appropriate? Is it from the human perspective, is it ultimately from God's perspective, right? And if what we're seeing is that all of us fall short, all of us in one way turn away from God, we're, we're born with sin, yeah. right? In terms of what we deserve, right, I think the, the, the kind of the short theological answer is like, we don't deserve anything yeah. good, right? So what we're seeing in David, what we see through certain people in, in scriptures, God showing grace, God showing mercy, God giving a kind of favor that is undeserved, right? And that's what's being highlighted, right? Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to like difficult passages like this one, where there's a, a baby, where there's a young girl, you know, um, as hard as it is to wrap our minds around, right? What we're insane is one, like, well, what do people deserve, right? They don't deserve the evil, right, mm-hmm. per se, but do do we deserve good yeah. right so if god doesn't give it does he owe us or is god still just and not giving grace to some right and yeah. we would say like it's still fair yeah. if he doesn't give grace show mercy to some the other thing we are pointing to is that in in god's infinite wisdom because he's good and because of his character, because he's holy and he's righteous, that even in these kinds of situations, right, there is po- there is good in it. We might not always see how, mm-hmm. and we might not always see why. Yeah. What do you think? No, I mean, I think that's like, that has to be like the theological basis of it, right? Mm-hmm. Is like you start with, well, everything God does is good. And like, that, that can be hard to do because, you know, you... If, if you're if you're starting empirically and it's like well god did this and god did this so maybe he's not good mm-hmm. but like we have enough evidence from scripture to say well god is good and that's what he tells us about himself so we filter everything through that lens um i think on a more like kind of more just not as broad level mm-hmm. um i think there's a couple of considerations also just to think about this doesn't solve mm, the problem by yeah. any means but just i think some things to kind of weigh out as we consider this is like, first of all, just understanding, and, and this is hard because we're talking about a baby dying and rape, and those 
you know, there's, there's few things that are more serious to us than, than mm-hmm. that, but just culturally, like just life was very different. Mm-hmm. And so on one hand, you, you have just, these things are much more commonplace. Doesn't make them good. Yeah. Doesn't mean that they're okay, but it's also for the, for the ancient reader, it would have been less jarring and also, th- there's just the issue of the, of the ancient reader understanding the concept of corporate guilt. Mm. For us, it's like, well, that's not fair to Tamar. That's not fair to this baby because they didn't do anything wrong to deserve this. Well, on one hand, like you said, they're all we're all sinners, so mm. we deserve nothing. But on the other hand, like ancient readers understood that, like, look, like there is this idea of like collective sin. You know that when David sins. He's doing so on on behalf of his family and that, you know, we're responsible for the people around us. Mm -hmm. Right. And that there's no sin that we can commit that doesn't impact the people around us. And so, you know, the force of this isn't, well, what did Tamar deserve? What did this baby deserve? Mm -hmm. It's like, no, what does David deserve and how does what he does impact the the people around him? Mm -hmm. And so, again, this is hard for us and I understand why this yeah. question, but the ancient reader isn't asking, you know, like why, why did this happen to these people? They understand like, Oh no, this is happening to David. Mm-hmm. And this is David paying the cost for his sins. Um, the other thing too, is just, again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier with permissive versus active yeah. will. And just like the way it's written, you know, especially the baby, not, not so much Amnon and Tamar. That one is, yeah. is a little bit more subtle, but it feels like God is saying, I'm going to kill this baby because yeah. you did this. Mm-hmm. But the language isn't quite that clear. It's a little bit like, because you did this, this baby will die. Mm-hmm. And w- we don't necessarily know what God knew and, and what, how exactly things are happening. Yeah, It's possible. It's God's within his sovereignty to just strike down this baby. But it's also possible, like, look, like this child may have been born sick or or, you know like the connections aren't as clear Mm. as maybe this kind of as we're assuming yeah right and even with i i think you know the the sister being raped you know like i think that's clearly the case of like god isn't saying i'm gonna make this happen but he's saying like look this is what's gonna happen because of the sin that you've produced Mm. and again this isn't this isn't something god's the author of but that's yeah that's what happens and so I think there's a lot of considerations and, and like a lot of things when we read ancient literature, I don't think it satisfies that yeah. that sense of like injustice. But I think if you combine those two things, one is that God is good and we ha- we have to trust that it's, it's hard, mm. but we have to trust it. And two, there are reasons why we just don't understand. And, and, and as a modern reader, we're just looking at things through a different lens. Yeah. And again, it doesn't make things okay but I think we have to factor in both of those things when we read these kind of stories. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't take away the sting of like, look like, ugh, yeah, like that's, that's hard to read. I, I mean, I feel that when I read yeah. that story, mm-hmm. but I think those are at least some options we have of yeah. understanding what's happening. Yeah. That's great. Uh, great insight. And yeah, I think just to make, be able to make those distinctions and, and I appreciate even that key word of just what is the God, what is God the author of? Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that it can get it, can get tricky especially in the old testament where sometimes it seems like the language is making it seem like he's the author who is 
creating this evil, whereas he's allowing it. Yeah. In the course of people's choices and in the, as a result of living in a sinful, broken world. Mm-hmm. But that passive will of because he allows it. Yeah. You know, like it's technically f- through him. Yeah. But he's not the author of it. But it's in this realm of, you know, kind of going back to our previous discussion of just that relationship between like consequences, you yeah. know, our sin and the consequences. And a lot of times it's not just, you know, consequences on ourselves, but it's, there's consequences from a corporate sense from yeah. creation and how yeah. this world is yeah. not just by, by our choices. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, th- I hope that helps if, if it, if you want more insight, you know, please feel free to submit another question, but thanks so much for, I think, walking through uh, this sermon with us and, and asking a really good question, a tough mm-hmm. question that I think has, um, you know, has been there for a lot of, not just their series, but kind of our journey through the Old Testament yeah, so far. Sure. So, yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I th- other than that, any kind of thoughts heading into kind of the next week, Brandon? No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the way this, this series is, going to end and, and what we're heading into um yeah i know we we're, we're kind of in a rush to finish up but just to close out i thought like any any last things you want to say especially the end of your message yeah. just this note of like grace that we see in this passage and i thought that'd be a cool way to end even yeah. this podcast is like was there anything just that you saw specifically that just you know that really mm-hmm. kind of stood out to you yeah there are a couple things that um Thanks for asking that because a couple of things I want to emphasize and I don't know if I did as well was, you know, what I had to keep coming back to was in light of all of this kind of mess that you see, God chose David and said, he is a man after my own heart, mm-hmm. you know? So like there is something special about David, right? Yeah. That I couldn't deny as, as ugly as it's been, as much as I want to say, you know, it has nothing to do with David at all. Like it's all about God, but no, God does there is something unique about David yeah. and in bringing it to that place of trust, faith, humility with, with everything, you know, like yeah. there's a trust when it came to Goliath, there's a trust when it came to Saul, there's a kind of a trust he demonstrated in all his victories, but perhaps the hardest trust is to trust him with our brokenness. Yeah. You that know? was a great point. And in all the ugliness and in all the consequences as messy as it was and even if he never quite quote unquote gets it, you know, and is kind of this different, broken, humble person, like God does point to that in saying there's something in that I desire. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the part that gives us hope, you know, like that's something we can all be. Yeah. Right. Is, is to be able to come to God with that kind of posture. Right. That it's not about accomplishment, achievement, you know, yeah, our choices matter. We've already covered that, but we can have that heart and God desires that yeah. and it pleases God with that. Um, and, th- you know, and that part is awesome. And then the other part too that I know we're going to get to, but I felt like I ha- didn't touch on it, but it's so important to know is that God doesn't just brush Davidson under the rug, mm. right? Because there was a part where I just felt like, oh, maybe it, it seemed like God took it too lightly, you yeah. know, but it's like, we know that there is someone who's going to pay for that. Yeah. Right. So why we're able to have this grace, why we're able to have this relationship restored, this immediate forgiveness, why God can use even the most 
messed up things we do for his glory are good is because Jesus paid for it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that part to be able to, you know, like I didn't get to say it on Sunday, but I think it's real important that we make that connection of like God is going to ultimately pay for it. Yeah. You know, and deal with the ultimate consequence, you know, so mm-hmm. that's just on hold. Yeah. He doesn't just brush it on the rug and be like, no big deal, David. We're yeah. good. I forgive you because yeah, David's choices are pretty messed up and yeah. they deserve a lot of punishment yeah. and it will be dealt with eventually, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. cool. Well, Hey, thanks. Thanks for being here. Thanks for, um, yeah, sharing as always. And we're looking forward to the, the next one. So yeah, cool. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed the podcast.